about the stories we tell and the events we discuss while on pilgrimage as queer Catholics. I'm Jacob Flores, and uh, I've got that cocoa butter ready because I'm about to get ashy today. Oh my god, you're so <laughs> ridiculous. You couldn't even get through that sentence without laughing. Uh, and I'm his husband, Jacob Flores, a cradle Catholic operating on uh, very little sleep here today, but I'm coming to you live from Tampa, Florida. Uh, so, Jacob... Oh, yes. Little sleep. I think both of us are, are suffering from sleep deprivation. Um, our neighbors upstairs are, I, th- I think they are relatives of Sasquatch, and they are nocturnal. So if if I'm sounding a little weird today, I'm sorry. I yeah, there's a lot of stomping around going on in our, our lives, unfortunately, right now. But uh, Jacob, what do we have on the podcast today? Well, it's the beginning of Lent, and we are recording this on Ash Wednesday, so we wanted to take a little time and reflect on what Lent really means to us as Catholics, and how to really put it into practice in our lives over the next 40 days. Uh, And as always, we will close things out by toasting the most inspiring parts of our week. All right, so Jacob, I've got a bit of a confession to make, which is that I, honestly, I struggle with Lent. Mm -hmm. Um, Ever since my time down in, in Honduras, where like there was I was surrounded for a really extended period of time with a lot of of suffering on a level that felt so needless and helpless uh, I've struggled with treating God as a a personal God as as a God who is an actual person and is capable of of interacting in our in our lives in in very kind of like deliberate and, and concrete ways and, I, and it comes down to that idea of, of suffering which is that mm-hmm. like so much of it seems so so needless and it's so obvious that it should and could be uh otherwise and you're just left kind of with this really nagging and intense feeling of of, of where is god in the midst of all of this if god could you know make it otherwise and you're certainly asking god to make it otherwise you know why isn't god doing it mm-hmm. um and you know lent very much leans into suffering in a way that i guess makes me kind of uncomfortable and and confused because you're almost you're celebrating it and you're actively participating in that suffering in a way that just feels kind of weird for me after some of the things that uh, I've experienced. And I guess that's led me to uh, treat Lent more as kind of like an abstract season of, of training, you know, like it's it's kind of mm-hmm. like, oh, sure, there are things that we're giving up, but it's because it, it just makes you um, a better person to like go without those things for a while. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, and I guess to give a little context, uh, you were in Honduras for two and a half years. Um, and then you were yeah, two and a half years at a uh, children's home. Okay. Yeah. And you were involved, you were volunteering and um, taking, basically taking care of uh, foster children, correct? Or kids who, who weren't able to live in their uh, actual homes with their immediate family. Yeah. Some of whom were, were actual orphans and, and some of whom couldn't be with their families because of extreme poverty or abuse or both. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So I can definitely see see that desolation and feeling like you're always seeing uh, misery being in that environment. 
Yeah, and I, it it wasn't necessarily that like, oh, wow, there's no joy down here because there was a lot of joy, but there was so many things that you would be like, wow, it would be so easy to to fix this child's life if we could just, if they hadn't suffered in, in this way to get them uh, uh, to this point, or even like a child who maybe wants to get better, but is now struggling with some behavioral issues, and you see them wanting to get better, but, and you're trying to set them up for for success but um you can just see this this cycle of of abuse and suffering just kind of perpetuating itself and and so it was it was a definitely a, a desolate time kind of in the spiritual sense of of just not being able to sense where god is and i it kind of i guess led me to some some conclusions of like oh if i i want to be able to kind of stay in the church like maybe i need to kind of close that part of my spirituality off which treats god as like just this person out there that you can ask to for things because it was so obvious that these things weren't getting you know answered or responded to when it came to the the suffering of so many kids that i i cared a lot about yeah yeah so i guess that's why in starting off this this discussion on lent i wanted to start with a a quote from dorothy day uh, and specifically a quote that she has on on suffering, because Dorothy Day certainly was was no stranger to suffering. She lived an incredibly hard life uh, growing up and then devoted herself to the service of, of those who were on the margins of, of society. So uh, here's what she wrote in one of her journals. She wrote, I have been visiting families all along the way, and there are many tragedies in our midst. While I was in Mexico, I talked with a saintly old priest, 80, and all he talked about was the need for suffering, the joy of suffering, and how we had to bear our share, and I just burst into tears, and I told him I found it very hard to take, just to think of all the suffering that might happen to Tamar and the family, for instance. He comforted me by saying, God never asks anything of you that he did not give you beforehand. But we sure had to bear our part, each one of us, in one form or another, if we could only learn to relax under it, if we could only learn that the only important thing is love, and that we will be judged on love, to keep on loving and show that love, and expressing that love over and over, whether we feel it or not, seventy times seven, to mother and mothers-in-law, to husbands, to children, and to be oblivious of insult or hurt or injury, not to see them, not to hear them. It is a hard, hard doctrine. I guess we get what we need in the way of discipline. God can change things in the twinkling of an eye. We have got to pray, to read the gospel, to get to frequent communion and not judge, and not do anything but love, love, love. A bitter lesson. Where there is no love, put love, and you will take out love, St. John of the Cross says. Wow. All right, so Jacob, uh, what stood out to you from that Dorothy Day quote? All of it was really great. It really speaks to kind of what I'm tackling with right now of, of seeing... God and his love throughout uh, my day, especially with uh, things that can be very frustrating and people that yeah. can be frustrating. Um, but what really stood out in that quote was the opening to the that last paragraph, if we could only learn to relax under it. Yeah. Um, at first it was a bit confusing because you don't think of, you know, relaxing and pain and, and suffering. God's love. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so... I thought about it a couple a couple of minutes more, read it over it several more times, um, the passages before and after, and then I started realizing how this uh, related to what I'm going through. Uh, 
and it's I, I've always felt like there's this a bit of anxiety in and when you encounter um, struggle and misery because there's a there's this like innate feeling or this uh, internal um, assumption like oh I'm not doing something right I needed or I need to be doing more to get out of this situation um, okay. and so I the that part of you know learning to relax under it and kind of I guess what a lot of people say is let God take care of it is kind of speaking to me in that in that passage. I don't know. I'm still. So you've had it. a bit of an anxiety about having a relationship with God. Basically, be it, I, are you saying that it you felt like you wouldn't do it right? Essentially. Yeah. That, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And especially being a new Catholic. Um, yeah. You coming from the outside and then converting, uh, you've you kind of start with this understanding and this idea of like, oh, there are a lot of rules. Um, you're not Catholic until you, you meet these requirements, yada, yada. Um, mm-hmm. And Catholics are known to being kind of, uh, known for being kind of uh, exclusionary in, in a lot of aspects of, of their religion and their, their lifestyle. Um, so uh, yeah, there's a, there is a bit of anxiety when it comes to learning how to have that relationship with God and you know trying to catch up with everybody who is a credo Catholic like yourself. So it's, it's almost like you're, you're, there's a lot more expected of you. Yeah. But yeah, I can see that. Yeah. So yeah, learning to relax and kind of, you know, understanding that or realizing that, you know, it's at your own pace, God meets you where you are and that I don't have to, you know, to be running a marathon, reading the gospels every day, which I should be doing um, (laughs) just so I can (laughs) feel like I'm having a, a proper relationship with God. See, you already sound like a good Catholic or a <laughs> certainly a typical Catholic in saying, I don't have to do that, but I should do that. Yeah. That's good Catholic guilt right there. <laughs> I know so, it's not essential, but I know I'm screwing up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so what stood out for you in this quote, this, uh, this quote that is actually really um, moving me right now? Yeah, I think the first thing that I really noticed was She's having, she's describing this interaction with this priest who is, you know, this priest is basically acting very affectionate towards all this, you know, suffering that we, we need to go through in life. And, and Dorothy Day breaks down into tears mm-hmm. when she's asked to think, especially, and she, she describes what she's thinking and, and picturing in the suffering of others, of these people that she's, she's met on, on this trip that she's on, uh, when she, when she's writing and i don't know it's it because uh dorothy day is is such a you know a, a saint to be and and basically a saint in my eyes it's it it grounded me and it stopped me for a second to you know realize that even even she was overwhelmed by that suffering even mm-hmm. though she's in the midst of it every day and she's devoted her entire life to not turning away from that suffering and not ignoring it and not um, sheltering herself from it that she in that moment like kind of couldn't take it or at least that you know or she allowed it to completely she allowed herself to truly feel the weight of of all that that suffering and that her default position in the in the face of it is compassion it's not to turn away and it's not to even turn away from from god but just to to feel that sense of 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 pain um, and to 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 truly kind of like suffer with those those people. The other thing that really stood out to me 
was the the line that the, the the priest gave her next, which is, "God never asked anything of you that He did not give you beforehand." Mm-hmm. I I don't know. I've, I don't think I've ever heard it put quite like that. There's a lot of variations on on uh, that. You know, going all the way to uh, back to to Job in the mm-hmm. in the in the Bible. But I I need to learn to differentiate between. Suffering that's caused by a lack of things that that people need, which is, you know, shelter and uh, love and food and and healthcare and basic things that a person needs to not only live but really kind of thrive and be a full human being. Like there's those things and that kind of suffering, but then uh, there's everything else that's on on top of it. And I think I can often lump those those two together and and see like that if somebody maybe um i don't know they get in a car accident or or something that can really impact their 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 life and i'm talking like a you know a a, a fender bender something that like is going to really throw your day off but maybe it shouldn't throw your entire life off its course financially like, it could that, be a, a huge burden yeah, not to, to 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 minimize it, but which isn't uh, going to in, inherently be like, oh wow, you know, now I'm 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 struggling to to live. That stuff like that is is kind of on a maybe a different order, and that and and to kind of come back to that idea of of God has never asked anything of you that He did not give you mm-hmm. b- b- beforehand. That you can still fight for everybody's right to to have the things that they need while also holding in your other hand the idea that everything is a gift and that if god takes some of it it away from you not the things that you need but the the things um which just merely maybe add uh to your life uh, that that somehow in there there's a, a mystery that it's it's okay and it it can even be good for you for for a time period and and i i've really i've i've struggled and i've even avoided examining that tension mm-hmm. in 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 the past several years and i'm i'm hoping that maybe this lent that's a little bit of what i can can get back into i, I guess what comes to, what comes to mind is uh so recently with the teachers at Kennedy High School uh, yeah or engage like what where is God in that, and why is why does He have that plan for those teachers? Uh, for any listeners who maybe don't know what's going on, can you do a quick recap? Yeah, so uh, Kennedy Catholic High School in uh, suburb of Seattle, which we talked about last last week in our podcast, um, two teachers, two teachers separately engaged to their respective partners, were I guess I don't know if they were asked to resign, but they were essentially were pushed out. Um, for being engaged to same-sex partners. Um, And that resulted in some backlash from the students, parents of the students and community members. Um, So there's been sit-ins, there's been events, uh, kind of protests outside of the archdiocese offices um, in Seattle. And so for me, I'm putting, I'm trying to put myself in their shoes and see what is to gain from that? And is is there a, an underlying lesson or is there a, a path that God wants for them and for the church to take? Maybe it's a, a, a lesson to where we can grow and he's pointing out 
you know, faults in, in our current rules and regulations. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. I certainly don't have any clean answers uh, for it. I know there's, I certainly feel a, a strong sense to use it as an opportunity to, to speak up and to, to point out the injustices and the, the, the failings of our, our current systems in the, in the church. But, you know, like you were saying, for the, the people that it affects most, who the stories are, are actually about, like that there's a lot to be left wanting when it comes to, you know, somebody just saying, you know, oh, well, it's, it's okay because it, <laughs> this highlights the need for change. Yeah. Like that's yeah. not, that's not enough of an, an answer yeah. at all. Um, it's a unfortunate situation, but, you know, we'll, it's a time for us to be in solidarity with prayer and we're with them. And it's, I, for me, it just falls short on, on actual, actual action and, and compassion. I feel like it's yeah. an easy way out. And so I guess while you're going through all that, while you're explaining kind of this, this idea of um, God never asked anything of you that he didn't give you beforehand, often church leaders will, will lend or resort to prayer. And I don't want to say resort, but they'll, they'll lean on prayer and, and this sense of compassion. And I just feel like that's not enough. Mm. And that's where a lot of people uh, get lost and tend to give up faith from what I've heard and from stories of friends before. Yeah, definitely. So yeah, it's tough. I don't know. As uh, what did Dorothy Day say in that quote? It's a, it's a hard doctrine. It's a hard, hard doctrine. <laughs> uh, Jacob, uh, have you struggled with, with Lent at all in the, these first couple of years that you've really tried to experience it both in, in RCIA and as kind of your first year as a baptized Catholic? Yeah. Um, so I haven't experienced Lent uh, as a baptized Catholic yet. This will be my first year. Oh, um, that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got baptized so, right after. Uh, so the two years prior to being baptized, um, or I guess the two Lent years that I, I experienced before being baptized, RCIA put an emphasis on kind of this, this time of excitement, um, an excitement into going into a, a very quiet time um, of reflection. And so they, they place a lot of joy in that in in finding how we can be closer to God. And that was great, but it was also really new to me because before, you know, not being Catholic, you tend to think of Lent as being, uh, just this kind of perennial yearly thing where you just give up a vice and supposedly that's supposed to make you a better person like you mentioned earlier. And so I think, what was difficult in, in those two years was letting go and unlearning that, that perspective of Lent and sure. really understanding like what Lent is all about and, and being in solidarity with those who uh, are disenfranchised or those don't, who don't have much. And so I, yeah, that was, that was tough. Um, but also kind of easy, uh, because it really, um, for me, it was, it made, it, it allowed me to focus on Catholic social teachings and kind of what really brought me into the church. Yeah, awesome. What about you? Um, yeah, I've I, Lent is probably the the season that I've leaned into the the least the past couple of of years uh, because it's I, th- I think it it's often an inherently personal season. Like either you're you're really uh, meditating on the 
the actual sufferings of 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 Jesus mm-hmm. and learning to accept them when you see them in in your own life or like i was saying earlier it just becomes this kind of abstract kind of just like oh like i like i'm just going to train at catholicism and and make myself kind of a better person by giving up some things mm-hmm. like it, uh, in between those two positions there's not a lot of space that i've been able to experience and so for for me it's it's very much been just a yeah i'll i'll do a set of of practices and hopefully come easter like then i'll just be a a better stronger or catholic but i've never allowed myself to in the past couple of years to really go on a deeper spiritual level with that so that's what i'm hoping happens for me this this year um are you giving anything up or are you what are you, i guess what are you doing for lent that will help you get to that place yeah I, I do have one, I, it's not an inherent vice, but one thing that I am giving up, which is alcohol. going to set that on the, the shelf for a while. <laughs> um, allow myself to uh, uh, enter into my, my bad days a, l- a little bit deeper at the end of the day and not have anything to uh, take the edge off. And then try and do kind of two practices to, I think, hopefully set me up for success when it comes to the 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 spiritual side of it one which is a daily lexio divina just mm-hmm. going into the the daily readings and and try and spend some time meditating on them and then i also want to try and i don't i haven't set up a uh, an exact uh, timetable for this but like i want to be really intentional about writing letters um mm-hmm. to folks in in my life i think it, both it's just like a good practice and like everybody loves receiving a letter. It's a very personal touch, but hopefully also will help me get to that space of that personal touch with God as well. I'm hoping by, by reaching out and, and kind of doing a better job of like realizing how much I, I need to be intentional about Mm -hmm. my, my friendships. And, and so hopefully, hopefully that will help me, uh, you know, just realize that like God is a, a real person who who does want a a relationship with me, and I don't know. Like Dorothy Day said, pray, read the gospel, get to frequent communion, and not judge or not do anything but love. So you know, the easy stuff, right? Oh, oh man. <laughs> How about you? What, what are your Lenten practices? <laughs> uh, alcohol is the same thing, I, and you know, alcohol wasn't just a a, a way to like take up the edge for a, a hard day for us. It was a kind of a for you and I, it was a nice ritual when you would get back home from a trip and after us not seeing each other for several days, we would enjoy a, a glass of whiskey and that that was nice. Um, yeah. But I feel like if we get rid of that, I think that will also help us open up communication and deepen our relationship and, and conversation when you come home so we can yeah. fully kind of be there and, and, and listen. Um, I can I can enjoy a, a nice hot glass of tea with you just as much as a... Okay. Uh, a fresh pour of bourbon. Okay, I'll uh, I'll go to Amazon. I'll I'll order a bunch of boxes of tea. <laughs> well, and another thing I think that's been sitting with me, um, sitting uh, kind of heavy on my heart lately is um, since we moved to Austin, I've been bouncing around two parish between two parishes. Um, yeah. And as always, you you get one one parish gives you something that the other doesn't. But okay. you know. The Catholic Church being a universal church and, you know, being different in every part of the world, I I've, I need to realize that, you know, it's not about the music that brings me to God. And so what I want to do is really focus on 
sticking with one parish and I'm being an actual part of that community rather than, I guess, shopping around and being transactional about mass and seeing and being like, hey, I'm, I want to go to St. Mary's because of the music is going to be good this week. And that's one thing I'm going to try to do uh, this Lent season, reading the Gospels regularly. Um, reading the Bible was not something that we were also uh, told to do or really allowed to do in the church I was born into. So, you know, just diving deep into it and really understanding what our faith is all about. Uh, definitely, I think that would help. So don't be mad. Uh, I might get a subscription to the Magnificat for both of us <laughs> for this season or for the whole year. I've already got my digital one. You do? Oh, okay. Well, yeah. I'll, I'll give you my uh, the printout ones too. But um, okay. am I a good Catholic? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I guess come Easter, we'll have to reevaluate. <laughs> <laughs> So, Pat, what are we toasting this week? I am toasting Pope Francis. Honestly, I feel like he takes his time here in the Lenten season very seriously, but I don't know. He always managed to, manages to do it with a whole lot of, of joy. Like, it's incredibly spiritual for him, but it's not just being, like, uh, disciplined about it and, and all the things that he uh, seems to be, like, doing very seriously. Like, it seems personal and, and joyful. And... That's very much what I think I need the, this Lent. And so I'm going to be looking to Papa Francisco to uh, to guide me along the way here for the next 40 days. All right. And this week I'm toasting uh, the random strangers throughout my Saturday evening who really portrayed what I thought every Texan was like before moving here. People were just overly polite, making small talk and smiling uh, and not being really cold and weird like a lot of people in Seattle are. But it really took me out of this kind of a mind funk that I had going on throughout the week. And I was able to see God in everyone and kind of see, you know, the love that everyone had um, as a community, which you don't often see in the neighborhood that we live in. So mm. um, I just want to toast, you know, the, the strangers who who made it a point to have those small conversations and, and smile. Um, it really helped me. Yeah, it really helped me see what I really love about Texas. Awesome. Well, cheers to our our random strangers here in Austin and to, to Pope Francis. Thanks for helping us get through the week and, and inspiring us on our Lenten journey as we go forth. All right, y'all, you can support the podcast by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts. It goes a really long way to helping other folks find our podcast. And a big thank you to all of our patrons on Patreon who help make this show possible. That's it for us this week on Taberdin. Thanks for listening, y'all. Bye, y'all.